Now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. Give us understanding, Lord Jesus. Your word is truth. What we understand, we're thankful. What we don't, we know that you will make it clear to us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to title this message, Nothing Can Separate Us from the Love of God. Nothing. We who are born nothing can separate us from the love of God. So we are in Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, it is picking up from chapter 5. Chapter 5, of course, then speaks about we understand Christ as high priest. We understand that we are moving away from the basic teaching and we are growing spiritually and God is blessing us to eat of solid food and we are growing by the grace of God and we have our senses, that is our mind, our understanding, exercise to discern, to discern both good and evil because we are in the word of God. That's chapter 5, but we are in chapter 6. Therefore, that is, considering everything that was said before in chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 6, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. So we are leaving those things and we're getting into something more challenging, God says. Because in other words, God is saying, we are leaving milk and we are getting into meat. Let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. In other words, we already know that we are saved. We already know we are born again. We will keep reflecting on those things and we will keep thanking God. But we don't stay there for the rest of our lives. We want to continue to know Christ, not just as Savior, but we want to know Him as Lord. We want to understand the Holy Spirit. We want to understand his role in our lives. We want to understand our purpose for existing. We want to understand what God is doing through, the ch through his church. We want to understand end times and what God says will happen in the future. When we look at the world in which we exist, we want to be able to discern and say, okay, this is why this is happening. Because this is what the word of God says. And of the doctrine of baptism that should be understood as either of our spiritual baptism when we came to Christ or even our physical baptism. So we got baptized. Time to move on. We thank God. We can look back and thank God. And of laying on of hands. 
as in the early church, where they laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were already sealed with the Spirit, but they were filled with the Spirit. And the resurrection from the dead. We already know that Christ rose again and one day we will be in heaven with the Lord. But we must continue to reflect on those things. And we must continue to thank God. And of eternal judgment that when we get to heaven, the question as to should we, will we be in hell or heaven when we die, that's not the question. The question when we die and we get to heaven would be our works for Jesus. Did we waste our life and live for self because those works will be burnt up? Or did we live for Jesus, fully for him? And so we have works that upon which we will get crumbs. God will be saying to us, I'm well pleased. And I'm going to reward you for that. So of all those things, and this we do, this we will do if God permits. Yes, we will continue to do that. Yes, we will continue to reflect on those doctrines. Everyone understand this so far? Yes, we have to. Yes, we have to teach the younger ones about that. We must do that. We must remind ourselves about that. Otherwise, then we can start taking our Christianity for granted. So we always have to go back and say, thank you, God. God told the children of Israel, remember what I did. How much more remember the salvation that Christ provided and remember that he saved us. So it's good to reflect. But we don't reflect the rest of our lives. We have to move on. Now I'm going to get into verses 4, Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 4. But before I get into verses 4, I want to lay a foundation here. I'm going to lay a foundation based on God's truth, God's word. Because you see, when we approach scripture, there are some fundamental truths that we have to rest everything upon. Because they're very clear in the scripture. For example, when we read the Bible, do we really believe that that's our final source of authority, God speaking to us? Yes. Why do we believe that? Because holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So when we read the Bible, we're not reading the Bible and questioning in our hearts. I wonder if this is from God. That's a non-issue. When someone argues with us, we say, well, I don't believe what you're saying, that Jesus is Savior. We tell them, hold up now. I am saying that, but I'm not saying that because it's a thought that originated from me. I'm saying that because God said it in his word. That's my base. Do we believe that God sent his son in this world to atone for us? He became the atoning sacrifice of God on behalf of our sin problem? Yes, because that's plain scripture. Do we believe that salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ? That's plain scripture. 
So here and in the early church, that's what they did. They understood those things. It became very clear to them. They put their faith in Jesus, and they went out and they preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. No deviation. They stayed with that. They're understanding new things, but you don't move away from that foundation. Everyone got that? Yes. So let's look at our foundation, what God says, as before we look at this text. So I want you to turn to 1 John. I want you to turn to 1 John. I want you to turn to 1 John. In chapter 1 and verses 8. So here is this doctrine, this foundational doctrine. Matter of fact, let's go back to verses 7. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now look at verses 8. So he is writing to whom? Believers. It says, 1 John chapter 1 and verses 8. If we say that we have no sin, everyone there? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That is if, if we conclude, look, I am perfect, I have no sin problem. He's writing to believers. That will be a wrong way to look at things. If we confess, however, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we go back to the original thought and say, look, I have no sin. Verses 10, if we say that we have not sin, we make God a liar. And God's word is not in us. Everything is based on God's word, right? So what do we find in this doctrine? We as believers, there are times where we will fall short. And God made a way for us to repent and to come to him. And he says to us, do not deny that process of repentance. There are two possible ways that you can deny it. Either you can say, I have sinned, and God does not want me to repent, or you can say, I don't have a sin problem. I've never sinned. I'm, I'm, in, I'm saved, and I'm in perfection. God says, if you think that way, you have a big problem. What's your problem? You're deceiving yourself, and then worse yet, you make God a liar. Now, certainly, I, I, I cringe at the thought of that. So that's a foundational truth. That God wants us to see that when we sin, we come to him and we ask his forgiveness. 
that's a difficulty with that. Some people will say, are you saying, man, that we can go out and sin and do whatever we want? And when do, do I always ask them, did I tell you what I say or did I tell you what the Bible says? Are you following that? I told you what the Bible says. But if you want to introduce that you want to tell God, God, are you saying I can go out and sin? That's a question you're asking God. Don't ask me. Because it says the word of God. And it says we make God alive. Are you following that? But then I also would tell them, in case if you're thinking that way, you're not the only one that thought that way. In the early church, Satan put that in people's hearts the same way. And here is what God says. Should I sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Should I sin because God says I'll forgive you? So I'll, I'll sin. God forgive me. Next day I'll sin. God forgive me. Next day I'll sin. No. So this is what God says. That's one of those foundational scriptures. So I want you to hold on to that. We understand that? Everyone got that? I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I almost want to say here, ask any questions. All right. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. So what's the central message in the one before we look at? Repentance. God made it possible for us as believers. He wants us to experience repentance and not come into stay in a place of lukewarmness. So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13. Ephesians 1 13 says, are you there? Yes, good. In him, that is in Jesus, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, that word of truth is defined now, the gospel of your salvation, that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, in whom also, having believed, we have a, a, we have a choice, don't we? To either believe or not believe. Plain, simple choice. You were sealed, past tense, with the Holy Spirit of promise. At that moment, at that moment, when we put our faith in Jesus, what happened? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So, so far, we see that what happened here, we put our faith in Jesus. For me, it's more than 51 years ago. What was necessary for me to put my faith in Jesus? I had to hear the gospel. How am I going to believe in him in whom I have not heard? How am I going to hear it if someone does not tell me? So someone did explain the gospel. It's either they explained or either I, I could have read it. And God gave me understanding. And then I believe. And then what happened? So the hearing of the gospel, that too is by the grace of God, certainly. But then I had to make a choice. 
either to accept Jesus or refuse to believe he is my Savior. And something happened that I had no control over. None of us had any control of that. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God at that moment. Now here is something else we learned concerning this sealing. God is the one doing the sealing. Read it. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? The Holy Spirit guarantees that one day we will get to heaven. Are we following that? Holy Spirit, he guarantees one day you will get to heaven until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Until Christ comes back and he takes his church and we are with the Lord because we are all, we have been bought with the blood of Jesus. Until that happens, we have this guarantee. Are you following now? The Spirit is inside of us. He will never leave us. The sealing is from God, and there is no Holy Spirit coming out of us. He is in us. Then I want you to turn to John. I want you to, to, to look at John. John chapter 10. I want you to look at John. John chapter 10. Gospel of John now. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verses 28. Jesus is speaking here. Now keep in mind, who is speaking? Our Lord Jesus is speaking. And he says, and I give them eternal life. And they... John 10, 28. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Who is speaking? Jesus. He is God. And he says, I give them eternal life. And it's impossible. No one, unless if there is someone greater than Jesus. That includes we ourselves. If Jesus gave us eternal life, do you think you can pull yourself out of his hand? No. No one is able to take us out of his hand. And then he rests this upon something. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. So what happened to us, God is the one, the Father, has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Jesus says, I, he is saying here, I'm the Son of God. I came as God in the flesh. No one is able to snatch you out of my hands, but here, here is something else. No one is able, able to snatch you out of the Father's hand. Then he makes a statement, an awesome statement, that speaks to the truth that Jesus is God. I 
and my Father are one. I and my Father, we are one. You follow those three verses? There are many more, but those are the three verses we look at. Remember, there are those areas in our life, in our Christian life, there are foundational truths that we rest everything on. When we read the Bible, we believe the Bible is God's truth. It cannot be questioned. It does not receive inspiration because we believe it. Whether you do or don't has nothing to do with it. It's inspired. It's inspired because holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So we as Christians, God's people, hold this to be God's truth. And when Jesus walked among us, and even when he was tempted by Satan, the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted because he had to be tempted in all forms. We are yet without sin. Remember we saw last week where the high priest, they had to keep offering a sacrifice over and over. That's because they keep sinning. But Jesus, without sin, what did Jesus do? Jesus quoted from the source of authority. What's the source of authority? The word of God. He said it is written. It is written. So we believe this truth, that this is the word of God. And when we go into the world, and when we tell others that Jesus is our Savior, and we tell someone Jesus is your Savior, what are we doing? We are proclaiming and believing in this fundamental truth. And that's what our relationship with God and Christianity is all about. And then we read the scriptures to build on those truths. We also believe that salvation is through faith in Jesus. That's very clear in scriptures. Even just the clarity of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him is just the process of faith, hearing and believing. You would not perish, but you will have everlasting life. By grace, you are saved through faith. It's not works. So those doctrines we believe in because they're the truth. So what are the three? We look at two, three verses, but there's two main doctrines we saw today. As a fundamental doctrine. What, are, what did we look at? That God wants us, as his children, born again now to church, we God's people. He invites us to come to him and repent. And repentance was something the church, early church understood and they did all the time. Even when we take communion, we have to have a heart of repentance. We have to examine ourselves. Are we clear on that? That's like one of those fundamental truths. 
without questioning. That's what God says. Matter of fact, if someone were to say to me, why, Pastor, I question that. I will tell them, take a little pause here now. Think of what you're saying. Because God says, if you say, you have no sense, you're making God a liar. No need to repent. On the other hand, if you say, well, my sin is so horrible that God cannot forgive it, then you're making God also a liar. Because God says, if you confess your sin, based on my promise, I am faithful and I am just. Because my justice is based on Jesus' finished work. I'm not going to look at you. Because if I look at you, you will not qualify. You will not qualify, even as a child of God. You didn't qualify before. You certainly, you still wouldn't be qualifying now. You will not qualify for my forgiveness. So since you understood and you accepted, and I am looking at what my son did, his atoning work, I, you believe in him, and I accepted that, and I seal you with my spirit. So that's the doctrine of repentance. It goes, it goes both ways, right? Don't say to God, I don't have a sin problem. And don't say to God, my sin is so bad that you, God, cannot. You do not have the power. Jesus' death on the cross cannot get me over that. If it got us over salvation, it certainly can get us over that. The scripture speaks to that very clearly. Since he has started this work in you already, with the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus you are redeemed. Surely he will continue. Are we following that very clear? Okay. So tuck that one away and keep it there very clearly. What's the second that we consider? That you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. At the moment we put our faith in Jesus, when did it happen? At that moment. We did not put our faith, and then two years down the road, something happened. At that moment, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God is the sealer. The Holy Spirit is the seal, and we are the sealed ones. We are, being, we are the ones having been sealed. And what do we know about the Holy Spirit? This sealing, what do we know of the nature, the very character of this sealing? It will not be undone. It's going to take us right into heaven. And then we saw into John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, no one is able to pluck us out of his hand. And what's more, no one is able to pluck us out of the Father's hand. Why? Because I am God, Jesus says. I and my Father, we are one, unless we can change that. We have to make Jesus not be God. What a guarantee. You have to make Jesus not be God 
And then you'll be able to pull a child of God out of. I and my father, we are one. I want you to take time this week. Go over those verses. Do you follow me? Work through this very carefully. Next week, we will go on to the second part. Right? I don't want anyone to rush into that. This passage, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. So when we go about it God's way, how we have to understand scripture on scripture, truth on truth. So it's our responsibility to reflect on those verses. Go over and ponder them. Oh dear God, thank you. God, thank you. For repentance that I can come back to you and repent. And thank you that when I'm sealed with the Spirit for all eternity, and thank you, Jesus, no one is able to pluck me out of your hands, not even I myself. you think the most fearful thing is that you might lose your job, you might lose your retirement, you might even lose your health. That's nothing. That pales compared to death. When I die, will I be in hell forever and ever? Or will I be in heaven? to bed at night and be afraid that if I die tonight I will be in hell forever and ever. The other areas mean nothing compared to that. I'll die. Can we say I'm not going to die? No. It's an appointed time. God says, I will not extend the border of your breath. One of the great passages in the Old Testament, God tells his people, prepare to meet your maker. That's what you do in this life. Prepare to meet your maker. Because you, we have an appointment. We can choose to deny it. Will that help? No. So that's our part one, so to speak, of this. Are you following? But I want you to reflect on it. Think it through. What are the verses of John? Chapter one, verses. And then, one, 13, 14. And then John 10, 28, all the way to 30. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Jesus.
God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. We ask, O Holy Spirit, that you continue to bless us. Thank you, firstly, God, that you said not only you give us your word, but you will preserve it. And we have it today. Your word, Father, is your very breath. It's your thought. It is you revealing yourself to us and you telling us how to respond to you through that revelation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the greatest message in your word, that you provided salvation for us. When you step into humanity in our form, oh God, you went to the cross and you died that we might have eternal life. And I pray God at this time for others who are hearing this, this truth as I proclaim it, as you said it in your word, Jesus, that whosoever believed would not perish. Whoever believed, Jesus, whoever called upon your name, who believe that you are Savior, Jesus, that they will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Thank you.